Hello, friends. Thank you for listening this week. Um, you know, I'm assuming that maybe at least some of you heard last week's episode, which had nothing to do with anything uh, that we've really been talking about here recently. But it's mostly several- about zits and bombs. Yeah, I think that's what we covered. And it was like a month ago where we last talked about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, oh, that's we right, had the, before that we did the The two the nationalism episodes, uh, followed by the episode of me just kind of updating everyone on my, um, my uh, what, what's, like teenage angst, pretty much. Like my identity crisis to throw on top of my faith crisis. <laughs> um, but now, today we're actually going to get back into, eventually, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so here comes the Jesus jingle, and then let's uh, let, let's chat a bit. Preacher is Jesus, a white guy, and does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? We are, um, have we said out loud on the podcast that we're writing a book? Uh, You know, I think we've just said, you know, I was doing some writing Okay, well, we're writing a book. I th- but I, I was willing should... to let people know that... that I, I was willing to let people think that maybe it was, like, for the Atlantic or whatever. Yeah. we're just... Well, who knows? Yeah. It might we're, be as well. We're, we're working on a book. We're, we're writing a book. So now we have some accountability. I think that's good. Now it's like yeah. we actually have to... We have to produce a book because all these Christians out here are waiting for it. And it's going to be actually... a minute. It's Don't. likely to, we're likely to get a DM as soon as this episode comes out of someone saying, you've said it like four times, and every time <laughs> you say, I don't think we've announced this yet, but. <laughs> Nobody knows. You have to but be yeah. in, in the know. <laughs> um, yeah, accountability, bro. Accountability. That's <laughs> what gets it done. <laughs> um. While we're getting that kind of accountability, Crisis of Faith would also like to roll out our brand new app that whenever you download it, <laughs> it sends us everything you ever search on Google Yeah. so that we can, and it screens for anything with the word fetish, um, the certain word, like words like pickle. Boobies. <laughs> Boobies. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you want that accountability. You know that's a thing. Did you ever? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Triplexchurch.com. It and like, uh, it sends an email to your mom and your pastor. Of yeah, like every yeah. You of your set it up with an accountability every- <laughs> bro, and they get like a. I mean, who's combing through that for one accountabilitybros.com? Yeah, but basically, it sends an email to whoever you decided your accountability bro to be, like once every week. So you have to think about it. You got to think before you search. Or use a different computer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're writing a book. We're writing a book, yeah. And so part of my job in writing it, like in that process, is 
I'm interviewing people. I interviewed like two dozen or so people, um, friends of the show mostly. Yeah. And just, Oh my God. I, it's been so good. Drew. I, I like, you know, I thought it's hard work to write a book. You know, you gotta, you just like you sit down every morning and you try to churn some stuff out and like, Especially for someone who's recently lost their discipline and just started playing video games. <laughs> exactly. Throwback. Um, oh, I need I need some <laughs> radio DJ sound effects. Oh uh, well, you throw when I do a throwback. Do it. Bam, like bam, bam, throwback. Post production, right? Yeah, but who has the time? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's tough. It's hard work, and like. I just thought, you know, well, this is part of the process. We don't have enough stories of our own, so we got to get some other people's stories, and let's, you know, and I'll just, I'll, I'll log the hours on that, right? Can, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just thinking about if I threw in sound effects right there, and it would literally be in like a f- 50 episodes of podcasts, <laughs> people just <laughs> listening to you and I talk. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, one episode, I make a joke, and there's crazy radio DJ obnoxious sound effects all around. <laughs> like that's that's a very, that's a long, long build up to a punchline. Sorry, you, you used to put in um, like little little ditties every now and again on the band. Yeah, I used to break up. Well, that's when we had to edit a lot. That's when we were. I would put little like yeah. Um, banjo instrumental sections or guitar because we were like cutting out to cover our cuts yeah because we would literally stop and we're like okay what are we going to talk about next um (laughs) now we just leave that in like so what what (laughs) what are we going to talk about next joe (laughs) you're interviewing people all right i interrupted no that actually reminds me i'm gonna i'm gonna take that interruption i'm gonna keep going with it i'll come back to my story at some point um because i was at lunch yesterday with a friend a good friend who's uh, who I won't name and he listens to the show. Yep. And he was talking about, uh, he was actually talking about some other work that I had done with my friend, Justin. We've been putting out these videos, um, about like, well, it doesn't matter. We've been putting out these videos together doing kind of conversational stuff. Um, and so my friend who I was at lunch with was talking about, he said, it's an interesting, like the different dynamic between you and Justin and you and Drew. Um, and I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I don't like the way that Drew always interrupts <laughs> jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin doesn't do that. So I'm glad you so didn't know you've that been guy. reprimanded. Was it President uh, Joe Biden? It was. Is that why you can't Yeah. tell who um, it was? I'll never do it again. <laughs> Yeah, I was at lunch with Joe. If you're Biden listening, yesterday. President Joe. Um so, okay. We're writing a book. Have we said that? Have we said that on the podcast we're writing a book? <laughs> um and I I'm doing these interviews and they're just amazing. I thought it was going to be like just it's part of the work. You just put in the hours, you know. Um and it is. I mean, it's hard work. It's it's like I've I've got probably close to a hundred hours in it now in terms of like doing it and then writing up notes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's been so like just incredible to hear people's stories and what people have told me, like 
not just one or two, but over and over and over again is like, I just never told that before. Mm. Like I never said that out loud before. Cause who, you know, who, whoever asks you like, well, tell right. me about how your faith has changed. Like you just never, um, never have the chance. And so many people are like, wow, it just feels good to say this, say it out loud. And it's been amazing. But one of the stories that somebody told me, um, you can read about it in the book. Uh, <laughs> one of the stories was about uh, watching the Prince of Egypt. Remember that movie from like yep. the late 90s? It was a remake of... I don't remember ever seeing it, but... Oh, I saw it in theaters. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a DreamWorks movie, and it's a retelling of the Moses story. Right. And uh, this, the, the movie, I won't spoil it, but it, it caught, it started this person's crisis of faith. Um, well, I can, I mean, I can tell you, it's like, cause it's just spoiler alert, regular book of Exodus um, <laughs> that they stick pretty close to in the movie. Uh, and so God kills a whole bunch of people. If you yep. haven't read Exodus, there's just like a ton of people that God kills in the movie. And so, this person's um, boyfriend says like, uh, who's not, he's not a Christian. You, you're into that. That's the God that you like. And she's like, Oh shit. You know? Um, so, all right. So I had this movie in my mind, right. And little synchronicity, my son Cosby, who's 11 and is just like super into, um, animation he's like he's an animation junkie he knows everything there is to know about the history of animation and um all like all these different theories of animation and and he's just super into it and so he comes up to me i've just had this conversation with this woman like a couple of days before that and cosby says dad there's a movie i want to watch you'd probably like it because it's a bible thing i think um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's this old, it's this really old movie It's a DreamWorks movie. And it's supposed to have like just the best animation ever. It's called Prince of Egypt. And I was like, dude, first of all, I've seen it. And also I was just talking about this movie. Uh, yeah. Let's, so we rented and it. Third of all, it's not that old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I um, saw it in theaters as a child. <laughs> so, it's we rented the movie and it was great it it holds up i remember it being good when i saw it when it came out um and it is still good the animation is amazing cosby was something so the the cool thing about the animation is that um it does a cool uh blending of 2d and 3d animation hmm which i don't know i don't even know that i Honest to God, can't tell the difference between 2D and 3D. You don't know the difference between 2D and 3D? Well, there's depth, but even in a picture that's 2D, like, you know, you draw you draw yeah. one telephone pole that's really big in the front of the picture and one that's really small in the back of the picture. That's 2D animation, but it looks 3D to me. I don't understand the difference. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway. You think Cosby would do an episode with us <laughs> Oh, to walk us through this a little better, because totally I would, he would make I'm, fun of me so I think I, hard. Well, I do think it's one of those things that I think, like you, 
you can't quite put your finger on what it is, but like, yeah, I think that I see that there's something different about this and that. I don't know that I could say what it is. Once, I mean, like, there are parts of the movie. I'm where thinking he's like, anime right now. I'm thinking like, like Japanese anime. Yeah, blends these things in certain ways where you almost have like paper-ish figures, like two-dimensional figures existing in an otherwise three-dimensional universe. But maybe that's just anime. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is stuff like that. There are parts where he's like, now look at this. See, all the scenery is is 2D, but the water is 3D. Mm. Um, So he's showing me these like different, which I never, I like, I literally wouldn't, it just passed me right by. But he had to, he would stop and show me things in the movie. I don't know, but I, there was some there was like some interesting theological dynamics in it that I thought were worth talking about. Um, so Moses, who's played by Val Kilmer, like Batman as Moses is pretty cool. Yeah, um, and and Ramses, uh, who is he's so I don't know. For for those who don't know the story, um, Moses is a a Hebrew kid, and he the Hebrews are enslaved by the Egyptians, and the Egyptians are killing all of the Hebrew boys because they're getting to be too uh, the population's getting to be too great, and they're worried about being overthrown by their slaves, and so they start killing all the Hebrew boys. And Moses's mom puts him in a basket, sends him down the Nile to save him from this. And he ends up getting adopted by Pharaoh, right? So he grows up. He's a Hebrew, like the the slave people, but he grows up in the king's palace. Um, and then he later comes back to free his own. He finds out that he's a Hebrew, and he comes back to free his own people. Um, that's the story in the Bible. And what the story in the Bible doesn't... And, oh, and so when he comes back to free his own people, uh, his father's... Uh, the the Pharaoh that raised him was dead. And now the, the person who was raised as his brother, um, is now the Pharaoh, right? Yep. Ramses is his name, the, the brother's name. So they, that's all, you know, in the story, like you don't really have any insight into Moses's life in Pharaoh's palace. You only really get Moses's life after he runs away. Um, uh, like finds out he's a Hebrew and runs away. But, in the story, they give you a little bit of background to Moses's life. And so he's friends with, Ram- with, with Ramses, his brother. Um, like it shows them in these, having these chariot races and playing around when they're kids and like a real relational dynamic that the Bible doesn't give you, but must be the case. Like they grew up together. They were brothers, right? They grew up as brothers. Um, and so I thought that was so good because it made the, the telling of the Exodus story where, where Moses is like doing battle with like begging, uh, Ramses for, um, to let, let his people go in the Bible. It reads like he's just coming before the King, right? right? It's just like, he's calling up Joe Biden and making a petition or something, but it's not like that. They were brothers. And yeah. like, I, I ne- I read the story differently now that I watch this movie. It's so good. Um, so that's that's interesting. That like gives a lot of texture to the story. There's also an interesting um it demythologizes the Exodus story in ways that are both I think good and annoying. Um 
so for instance the Okay, so the, the way the story works, Moses comes and he's telling Ramses, please let my people go. And Ramses says, no. And Moses says, okay, but now God's going to kick your ass if you don't. Um, and in order to prove that God's going to do that, Moses does some magic tricks. Yep. Not magic tricks. Mo- Moses does magic, right? He, does, he, he has a staff and he throws it on the ground and it turns into a snake. Yep. And he has... Um, he turns the Nile River to blood. He does he does magic to prove that, that God's really powerful. Um, that's the story in the Bible. And the story in the Bible is that Pharaoh also had magicians. Now, we're talking ancient world mythology, right? Um, these are not illusionists. They're not, you know, it's not Chris Angel. They're magicians. Mm-hmm. They're real, like we're talking about real dark power, not dark powers. You describe the other guy as dark powers and, you know, the good guy is magic and they're, they're both doing magic. They're doing real magic in the story, right? It's real power. But in the Prince of Egypt, in the DreamWorks animated version, um, the magicians are, you, you see their illusions. They like pull a, a dropper of food coloring out of their jacket and put it, put it in the river to turn it to blood or whatever. Yeah. So Moses does real magic and the Egyptian magicians are illusionist in, in the DreamWorks picture, which is not the way the story goes. It demythologizes them, right? It makes them not, not real magic, but illusionist, um, which, you know, it helps the story along. It makes Moses look more powerful or whatever. Um, but I think it, what it takes away, what the Bible does and what everybody, um, it actually made me notice something in the Bible that my church experience had always pushed aside is that there's a real battle going on in Exodus. It's not like God is powerful and God's going to, it's like, no, the God of like Yahweh is at war with the God of the Egyptians, the gods of the Egyptians. Mm. There's, and there's, there's real, like real stakes. Right, right. Um, even if, even if, and we'll just throw it in, because I like to speak for these people sometimes, even if they're just constructs, maybe even more so if they're just constructs, if Moses' God is just his construct of a God, and Pharaoh's God is his construct of a God, then you have a fair fight between the gods. Yeah. You have yes. a real like so. It, e- either it's either it's full mythology and there are or or even if it's full scripture. I mean that is what the Bible says. Like even if you just read Exodus, you you end up with something a whole lot closer to Harry Potter than a whole lot of you know yeah right. '90s moms would like to admit. Like you do have this magic versus that magic, and there's magic on both sides. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my friend just well, he's been on the the show. Justin Levitt Pearl, who we had on, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, he likes to say, uh, so there's a there's a famous New Testament scholar called, named Rudolf Bultmann, and Bultmann is famous for his project of demythologizing the Bible. So you take all the the magic and you say, well, we can't, you know, we don't believe this kind of old mythological stuff. Like, what's the kernel behind it? And it's just boring to read the Bible Boltman's way. Yeah. 
right? And so, but also, I mean, like I'm essentially an atheist. I don't, I don't believe in the magic of either Moses or these Egyptian magicians. But what Justin says that I think is really helpful is you demythologize at the end, right? You don't like let yeah. the story be the story as it is. Like, don't try to get behind it. Just take the, and then at the end we'll take that whole story and say, okay, well, what do we do with this? How do we, yeah. Understand it? Yeah. Well, well it's like watching, it's like watching the DVD extras on the matrix. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's like, let's just watch it. No, he just like slows down time to dodge a bullet. And then, you know, it might be interesting and fun to figure out how they how they made that look that way in the film. Right. I don't want that then and there. Yeah. I right. want to believe that Neo dodged a bullet because he's literally faster than a bullet. He He literally is so, his mind is working so fast that he can outmaneuver you know 400 meters per second or whatever the um but then yeah tell me later l- later let's talk about how he didn't actually <laughs> it but just kind of like, looked that way and here's how we made it look that way go you know yeah, you yeah leave it alone its, while it's happening terms yeah um okay so so they do the they they demythologize the egyptian magicians but they also um there is no actor. Can I just pause here? This is not a joke, yeah. okay? I'm not stopping you for a joke. I would never. <laughs> Egyptian magicians, every time you say it, it just sounds like a really cool name for a like band. Or like there's band. something there's like something cool band. about the way that flows out. Yeah. Every time you say it, it feels like you're you're naming something really specific <laughs> and that it it should be conjuring some Egyptian magician. I just like it. So go ahead. Um so but also, there's no actor uh, who voices God in the movie. Um, Val Kilmer plays both Moses and God. So when, when God speaks, it's in his own voice. Um, which is, like, it's cool. It's also, I think, this part of this, like, taking the mythology out of the story. Yeah. Um, it's like... But but I like it. I like what they're doing with that. Yeah, um, that seems interesting. That that seems. I wonder if that got them any pushback, because I could see this being a movie that churches were excited about. I mean, you got to see it, right? You weren't yeah. you weren't allowed to watch all of dog all dogs go to heaven too, but you were excited. <laughs> your parents were probably excited. Youth group whatever was excited to take you to see Prince of Egypt. I wonder if there's any pushback from that type of thing which seems like a very intentional choice not like they just couldn't afford another actor it's like hey val you were pretty expensive how about you pull double (laughs) duty on this like that's a that's a that's a conscious choice they made um that i just i wonder if it had any i doubt it was if anybody anybody notices like oh this is you're you're making a statement with that yeah huh um all right, last thing about the movie. Ready? <laughs> this is good. So, all right, again, if you don't know the story, um, Moses does the magic to try to convince his adopted brother, Ramses, Pharaoh, to let these people go. Pharaoh won't do it. So then all these plagues, he starts, you know, there's frogs and there's flies and all this stuff happens in Egypt. And 
to try to convince him, like, we're going to annoy you to death until you let us go. And he won't do it, won't do it, won't do it. And finally, um, what happens, and this is the part that the person I interviewed got really, like, it, that, that was difficult for her after her boyfriend pointed it out, is that God sends this, um, like, death angel to yep. pass through and kill all the firstborn males, um, both, you know, humans in the household and even livestock, firstborn male cows, whatever, um, all through the land. And in order to distinguish, the death angel is, is like a black smoke monster in the DreamWorks movie. Yeah. Um, in order to distinguish the Hebrew people from the Egyptian people. So, so the death angel doesn't accidentally kill the Hebrew firstborn sons, just kills the Egyptians. Um, God gives them this instruction that they, they sacrifice a lamb and then take the blood of the lamb and paint it over the, their door frame. So I just got chills. I'm starting to feel like you're giving an altar call. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, <laughs> Right. Okay. So it's this is this is where we get the term Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the death angel will see the blood of the lamb on your door and will pass over that house. Now I don't know if my son has ever heard this story before. He might have, maybe once. You know, it's not one that you tell a whole lot in church. Um, he's maybe heard it before, maybe not. But he's see he's watching this movie. He's watching the smoke monster pass over and kill all these these people but he he sees the blood and like it looks like a um you know like a personified smoke cloud is like it sees the blood and it gets scared and then backs away and like moves yeah. you know to a different um and so Cosby says I wrote this down <laughs> Cosby says I don't mean to judge deity <laughs> uh Oh, wait, I miswrote something. I don't know. Anyway, I don't mean to judge deity, but if you can tell whether there's blood on the door, why can't you just tell the difference between the Egyptians and the Hebrews? (laughs) (laughs) Such a good question. (laughs) That is really good. (laughs) Oh, man. That would ruin every... uh, you, You said... You said maybe it's not a story you tell much in church. Uh, I heard it all the time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this one came up all the time. And it was that, you know, we like end up with the Saved you know, by the, the, answer, the, the answer to that question is because they had to do this act of faith to put their, their faith in the blood of the lamb. Yeah. Um, and that's what was actually saving them, not the blood itself, but the faith act, which, you know, all comes back around like, his question is the question uh, <laughs> in so many ways. Like, huh, this whole thing is just an act. Like, <laughs> to, uh, interesting. Well, I'm, I'm really glad we, uh, we got to talk about the Prince of Egypt today. Yeah, I, I, think I bet you that is it. the best overview of the Prince of Egypt. The, the very best, um, podcast overview review movie review of the prince of egypt released in 2021 
It's got to be. We've got to that. That needs to be somewhere in <laughs> our our uh, Apple and Spotify reviews, and like <laughs> that needs to. It should probably be on the back cover of our book yeah. whenever it's published. Have we said we're we're Drew and I are writing a book? Have we said? I that? don't think we've ever mentioned that on the podcast. <laughs> um, what are we talking about today? With what with the time we have left. Well, we talked about that for a very long time. <laughs> um, okay, so we're, we're getting back into the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, I, I think so. A little bit of it today. Yeah. So the next, um, the next part of the Sermon on the Mount, like a large chunk, is I think like the hardest part um, for, for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's all this stuff, and we talk about it all the time, actually, on this podcast, where where Jesus says, you've heard it said, thus and such. Yep. And what he means when he says, you've heard it said, he means, it's in the Bible that. <laughs> right. Um, but I say this other thing, right? And so there's six of these. So these. we have very much, like, you know, for, for, for hardline fundies here, the Bible is saying... Here's where the Bible gets it wrong. Um, that this is one of those things that it's just like, you know, any, anytime we talk about contradictions in the Bible, I don't know that I call them contradictions so much, but whenever we talk about them, like we're not always, we're not necessarily going to extremely obscure, like this passage says there were three people present at the tomb and this passage says there were two. So we know the whole thing's false. It's like, who cares? That's not, yeah. that happens. But whenever you have, the Bible itself saying, here's where the Bible gets it wrong. When you have Jesus himself saying, here's, here's what you've heard taught in the Bible, uh, in, in the scriptures that exist. But I'm saying something else. That's why this is something we talk about a lot. <laughs> right. This is the great repentance Jesus. that Jesus invites <laughs> us into continuously over and over and over again. It's kind of the inauguration um, and, the, and the end of his entire ministry is to say, here, here's where here's where you're getting it wrong. So, okay, two things about that. One kind of funny, and then one that will like take us into what we're gonna talk about. Um, <laughs> I heard somebody say, and I think this is actually a common line of argument, but I just remember hearing it one time and thinking it was so stupid. Um, that you know, there's there's one I can't remember which gospel where the women appear at the tomb. And there are two angels there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an, a different gospel where the women appear at the tomb and there's an angel, one angel. And so uh, I heard somebody in order to like point out that this wasn't a contradiction. He said, well, you know, just because you, there, you say there's an angel doesn't mean that there's not two angels. There is <laughs> an angel. <clears throat> well, that's another angel. <laughs> Oh, Which that's of a good course one. is logically accurate, but so yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I've even heard like one of the, I, I like I've I've preached this too, but like even the even the discussion of like on the third day he rose is like who Friday, calls Saturday, Friday Sunday. to Sunday <laughs> three days? Right. Who says all right? Uh, I'm leaving. It's Friday night. I'll see you in three days on Sunday morning. Like, <laughs> what? 
<laughs> that's the and I know everybody I've I've preached it, you know. It's like, well, Friday was one, Saturday was two, Sunday was three. That's but it's just not right. Days. That's just not it. That's not how we say it. That's just bad math. Um. All right. Yeah. Then the and people thing. also say things about like the the Jewish day starts at sunset. Yeah. But that doesn't help. That's right. <laughs> this stuff doesn't make the like I've heard people get, offer that as an apologetic for what. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um. Oh, the the second thing I wanted to say is, it's not clear that Jesus is, um, exactly contradicting anything in these statements. Mm. Okay. Um. So, let's not to say. I mean, I think that there are times when Jesus does contradict things in the Torah, uh, in the Gospels. But I'm not sure that these are those places. Um, okay, so the whole... But it, it's as though Matthew anticipates that, right? Matthew anticipates our question or our thought about, um, well, Jesus is saying, the Bible says this, but I'm going to tell you something different. So he starts off the whole section with... I'll just read, read the verses. Uh, this is... In, in the voice of Jesus, red letters, right? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of these the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same. That's us will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? Not to abolish, but to fulfill the law. And Jesus apparently actually means this. Yeah. Which is like so much different than what everybody says in church, right? We all say, no, that was the old Jewish thing, right? Trying to follow the law. We don't, we're not under the law anymore. But Jesus says, no, no, I'm here to. I'm totally under it. Do yeah. it all. Not yeah. one jot or tittle is the way. Um, or iota. Yeah. English, you, English standard throws in the word iota. Jot, wanna, tittle, iota. Do you want to hear, you want the nerdy uh, <laughs> explanation of that? Yeah, yeah, let me hear. <laughs> uh, iota is the name for the letter, it would be like the equivalent of the letter I in Hmm. Uh, in English, but in in Greek, it's called iota. So it's like the dotting of an i. Uh, well, the iota is the just the th- there is no dot in Greek. Oh, it doesn't have just dot. just the little symbol. Um, that comes into uh, German as it w- comes it comes into English by way of German as jot. Jot is just the Englishization of iota which is the greek letter i and a tittle 
is the English name for the dot over an I. Wow. So not one little stroke or one or the dot of Yeah, the dot over an I or a J is called a tittle. That is super nerdy. Yep. Not a <laughs> jot or a tittle. So what what do you do with this whole passage? Do you have some some openers about it? Like so, I've not come um, to I mean if we just start at the top of it, like I've not come to abolish it but to fulfill it. Just getting started there. Could you still draw the conclusion that once Jesus accomplishes what he has come to accomplish, then you don't really need it anymore? Could you still arrive at that? Like the whole thing was pointing to this moment, and then after this moment, it's fulfilled. It's over. Well, I think that there's, so I think what happens is we conflate, um, this stuff that Jesus is doing here, which is a little different with Paul, Mm -hmm. uh, who, who seems to say you don't need to follow the law, but he, he doesn't exactly say that. Um, what Paul really is against is Gentiles having to convert to Judaism in order to be Christian, right? Okay. So he, Paul doesn't have any problem with, uh, with the law as such. He doesn't have a problem with Jews following the law, Jewish Christians following the law. And he does. He does. He's a Jewish yeah, Christian he, who he follows the law. He talks about how he does. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and he thinks that Jewish Christians ought to follow the law. But Gentile Christians... Uh, his point is you don't have to, you don't need to, the identity markers of Judaism in order to be part of the Jesus community. Yeah. Um, that you can just by, like, just by following Jesus, you have made yourself part of this community. Yeah. That's it. That's Paul's thing. Um, so it is a rejection of, and that's like, it's an inter-Jewish debate. Right about that. Uh, what Jesus is doing here, uh, Amy Jill Levine, who's a a Jewish New Testament scholar, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, she points out her so classically these these statements about like you have heard it said, um, like you have heard it said since the days of old, uh, you shall not murder. But I say to you if you're angry with your brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment, right? Um, these have been called an- the antitheses. There are six of them. They've been called the antitheses. Like Jesus is saying something different. The law said this. Now I'm going to say something different. Uh, Amy Jill Levine says, no, they really should be called extensions. Mm. Uh, so an antithesis would be That's like, true. Yeah, that you makes have sense. heard it said, do not murder. But I say... Lock and load, bitches. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Blow up. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. <laughs> um, but but in fact, what Jesus says is, you heard it said, do not murder. But I say, you know what? Long before the question of murder ever comes up, maybe let's deal with your anger issue. Yeah. Right? Um, this is the technical term 
terminology for this in rabbinical discourse is building a fence around Torah. Yeah. Right. So the offense guards a city or guards a house from somebody getting in. Right. So like before you even get to breaking the law, let's like, let's widen this thing out. Let's put a fence around. Um, The law says don't murder. I say, if you don't want to murder, let's deal with your anger. Yeah. Um, So we're, he does that with every the law says don't commit adultery i say well let's watch how you're even right interacting with people of the opposite sex the the only pushback i would have on that and i wonder if there's something that i'm missing on it are the last two of the six which i don't want to jump ahead we're, we're going to have plenty of plenty to say about these on yeah, their own no, but I'd, you have heard they? it said an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth but i say don't resist someone who's like so the last two times that Jesus says this, he actually says, you were once taught a violent way, and I'm showing you that that's wrong. And then the final one is, you have heard it said, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, mm-hmm. the Old Testament, I don't know that the Old Testament commands you to hate your enemy at any point, but it certainly uh, advocates it. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Old Testament is mostly about hate. I mean, you know, the whole Prince of Egypt story is about how if they're your enemy, we're gonna Drown kill their children. Yeah. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna murder them. We'll we'll see to it that they die somehow or not by the hand of God or by the hand of our own weapons. Um, there is a at least an undercurrent that says take care of your neighbors, kill your enemies. Um, so. Yes, there are four that are extensions, and then there are two that are that appear to be somewhat about faces. Now, personally, I think Jesus is just saying your thirst for violence was never God's thirst for violence. Um, you you confused. Yeah. You, Moses, that was not God's voice. That was Val Kilmer's voice, who is also your voice. You were just hearing God say what you wanted to do. Um, that's kind of my, you know, there's some problems with that, but that's where I'm at. You know, that, that's where I land with it. That, anyways, I was just saying that to say, like, I do think there is a really, really good case to be made for the first four being extensions of the sin, not violating, not changing, not saying, you've heard it said, don't murder, but now it's cool. It's like, no, still don't murder, but let's take it a step further. Um, it only becomes really, really, interesting to me from that perspective on the last two yeah when jesus yeah, seems to be sense. saying there's a there's a way that all of us <clears throat> jewish men um in the temple seem to think about violence towards our enemies and that i would like to address differently i yeah i think that's right i think that's right um but even even then there's a so there is a way you could see that as an antithesis. The Bible does say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus is offering something different. Um, you could also see it as an extension or as a trajectory, right? Um, if you're comparing like the Hebrew Bible with other legal codes in, um, in the ancient Near East, eye for an eye is, uh, is a restraint, Right. So if um, if you throw a, a 
rock and it knocks out my tooth, uh, well, I'm allowed to come over there and punch you in the mouth and knock out your tooth. I am not allowed to murder your whole family and burn down your village. Right. Right. The the natural human tendency is for violence to escalate. Right. Yeah. Probably not. I don't probably don't murder your family because you knocked out my tooth, but I do, uh, you know, come and steal your cow and then you come and kidnap my kid and then I come murder your whole. Right. Yeah. That's the natural human tendency is for violence to escalate. And, and the Hebrew Bible sets really strict limits on it. No, no more than the retaliation that is required mm-hmm. or that is that is um appropriate what, or appropriate to yeah. the to the original action and so jesus is in that way extending the trajectory saying well you've heard it said rain in your violence and i say rain it in even more yeah okay. um so but but he is like so from from a sense of understanding of uh god commanding violence or allowing violence or condoning like in that sense it's an extension um if you're thinking strictly about how does the bible address the bible it's an antithesis yeah right the words in the bible say this and jesus says those words well, they're not true for you, my followers, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that—that's the, and that's the thing. I—I I think the very the sixth, the very last one, is just like there is not any indication anywhere in the Old Testament of that loving your enemies or turning the other cheek to a violent oppressor is the appropriate response. There's no indication whatsoever in the first, you know, 800 pages of a whole Bible, you know, the whole library. Um, It is only in that moment where Jesus comes along and says, actually, when an enemy comes at you, how about de-escalate? How about let them do what they're going to do, what they need to do, because that's the only way the violence ends that's a and there's a lot to be said about again i didn't want to get that i didn't want to drag us in and i don't think we have yet but i don't want to drag us into like totally separate conversations about violence that we want to have yeah yeah. Um, we'll circle back from this stuff later but uh but yeah and this is interesting i'm i'm liking the what we've had on this so far so with all that said i think that might actually be a good and hopefully this isn't frustrating to the listener so much as like hey stick around or if you're listening in the future, uh, it's already there. But we're going to go ahead and stop our conversation here. We're going to stop just on those verses because all of that just kind of gets us set up and ready to talk about the six things, to actually talk about, well, what is Jesus saying that is new and different? Um, and what is it that he's actually teaching in these things where he talks about anger and lust and divorce and um oaths that we make and and eventually retaliation and violence and love for enemies um so next and week we're, we're let's going get into through that. this sermon like forever so what are you what's your big hurry yeah you know come on chill out dude okay. plus you could just go read it if you want to read it to go this is a podcast also uh maybe we'll write a book about it we should write a book stick around for a book Great.
it sure is Jesus, a white guy. And does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? Thank you.